Well, in this podcast so far, Ross, we have examined a lot of issues relating to the credibility of Mormon doctrine and history. Uh, I'm sure that we've covered a lot of topics that that uh, Christians are super interested in, that Mormons maybe might be a little frustrated by as they as they listen to this, or maybe some people are listening to this uh, and it's shedding light on their faith, Mormonism. But but really, all of this so far, you know, we're on episode something like episode twenty here, Ross. This this probably leaves people wondering. I know this is what I wondered when I first moved to Utah. Why would anybody join the LDS Church, right? And then I think the other question is, does anybody ever leave it? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about joining and leaving the Mormon Church. So it's kind of a broad topic. And let's start, Ross, with some statistics so people can understand sort of how many LDS church goers there are right now and and how's how does it relate to, you know, maybe where it was 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, so the LDS church has around 16 million members. Now that's worldwide, but that's about double the size of the church 25 years ago. So they've had periods of really uh, strong growth. They grow by converting people, but also by baptizing their own children. You're born into the church. At some point, you join the church. At age eight, typically, you become on the, on the rolls as a member at that point. About 30% of church members are converts. So they've joined the church from outside, or they've joined the church as a, a young adult, or you know when they have it's their decision, basically. Um, and interestingly, about four out of ten converts to Mormonism were raised uh, Protestant or raised in some maybe Catholic, but some kind of a traditional Christian framework, those people are joining the LDS Church. Now, the growth rate has decreased. Uh, in the late 1980s, they were growing at 5% per year. Um, in 2017, the most recent numbers I've seen, the church grew about 1.5%. So it's kind of plateauing right now. Even though it's still growing, it's really plateauing um, as an organization. Yeah, and we'll see really the back door. Uh, I don't know if we have stats on this, Ross, but the back door seems, at least from our experience out here in Utah, seems like it is wide open compared to the front door. So I, I think we'll see as as time moves on that more people are probably leaving the Mormon Church than are joining the Mormon Church. And I know those numbers are probably a little bit harder to come by because it's not like you probably volunteer to raise your hand to say you're leaving. In fact, I think it's hard to get off the rolls of the Mormon Church, so there are probably a lot of people on the on the books, so to speak, that that really haven't participated in a long time. Yeah, it's not as hard as it used to be. It's become a lot easier, so people are leaving formally. Uh, but the thing is, is that a lot of people disengage with Mormonism, but they don't take the formal step of actually resigning the church. So they stay on the rolls, but they're not involved in any way. They may disavow it. They don't consider themselves Mormon anymore. But for many people, there's reasons why they don't take that formal step of removing themselves. It might be family pressure, or it might be they just don't care about the LDS church anymore and don't want to be defined by it anymore. And so the numbers are fuzzy, and the LDS church doesn't tell us in their annual report how many people resigned. They only tell us how many people converted. Let's talk for a second, Ross, about the reason that people join Mormonism. Now, we're not really talking about uh, people who grew up in Mormonism. We'll get to that. 
But we're talking about like why would someone convert to Mormonism? And there are a few reasons. One one reason might be I guess we could call it uh, like uh, theological or existential, right? That that for some people Mormonism provides satisfying answers around the the meaning of life. Yeah, for some people it's like it answers certain questions like what happens to my grandparents or great grandparents who have died? What's their What's their status before God? It answers questions like, what about people who lived thousands of years ago in another part of the world that never heard about Jesus? What's, this, uh, what's the answer for them? And so it does provide some interesting uh, theological grounding for people. Um, they, many people find that it makes God comprehensible to them because the LDS Church doesn't believe in the Trinity, as we've talked about in the past. And so they feel like, uh, oh, God makes sense now because he's seen as an exalted human being and, and, and he seems relatable then to people. People like the idea there's a second chance of salvation after this life is over. Some people like the emphasis on being a righteous or good moral person or on, on achievement. So there's, those are some of the things that people find attractive about it from, as you said, an existential or a, even a theological perspective. Yeah, I think it's it's good to remember. I, to me, it's just anytime I hear that someone converts to to Mormonism out of Christianity, I just scratch my head because I know what we've been talking about in this podcast. I know just how vastly different the doctrine. It's so not biblical. It is so clearly not biblical. If you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the first five episodes of our podcast, go back and listen to those, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But then it's good to remember, Ross, that not every person who calls himself a Christian really even reads their Bible. So for so many people, the the Bible doesn't matter so much to them. The Bible is not the primary sort of determiner of our of our faith or our theology. And so when you think about it like that, it's not surprising that so so many former Protestants or Catholics are the targets for Mormon missionaries. Because if you have just a little, you know, kind of cultural Christianity, if you have a little bit of Christianity in your background and you don't really buy into it, you, you don't uh, really ever read your Bible, then anything goes. And really, when you think about it like that, it would make sense then that some of the answers that Mormonism provides are simple. And, uh, and a lot of them are even, I don't know, if I were to start a cult, Ross, I joke, I joke about this, like I think... Yeah, I would I would pro- I would probably make up some things that would make it easier for people to join, right? And uh and really that's the second major reason. I think this is a huge reason. It, we would call these emotional reasons for joining Mormonism. There's something appealing that families can be united forever, right? There's some real emotional appeal around that. Mormonism is just it's almost close to universalism when you think about it like this. Right. There is a universalistic element to Mormonism. The genius of Joseph Smith was he combined a particularistic approach with a universalistic approach. We go into that another time. But but yeah, there's emotional and relational appeal to it. So that feels good, the idea that, that families can be united forever, there's a second chance to be saved after death, things like that, that, that feel like, oh, yay, God, that makes God seem really good, or it makes my experience with Mormonism seem really positive. And people also... Many people find structure 
and security in Mormonism. They, you know, they, there's a sense of like, oh, I know where I fit, I know where I stand, my world is not as chaotic now because of this. Some people find that it's a welcoming community when they're going through a tough time emotionally. Um, some people feel like it's a safe haven from the ills of society, a great place to raise a family. Uh, I know young people who are growing up in an area with an LDS majority will often join in their teenagers just to fit in. Mm-hmm. And uh, a narrative we hear a lot is that people join the LDS church uh, for the reason that they fell in love with somebody. They fell in love mm-hmm. with a Latter-day Saint young person, and so they join in order to um, fulfill that, that desired relationship. And so there's, there's a lot of these human reasons why people join it. You know, I guess partly if they had a theological foundation like you were talking about, a biblical foundation, they might be able to to respond more appropriately to some of the emotional reasons, but uh, that's not always the case. You know, the heart wants what the heart wants. Right. Yeah, so, okay, so we have existential reasons, we have emotional reasons, we have relational reasons. We know many, many people who converted to Mormonism because they married a Mormon, right? The Mormon, it was easier to convert to Mormonism than for the couple to convert to Christianity. But, but, you know, there's even a super practical reason. Ross is a lot of people join Mormonism during a time of material need. Like they have, they have financial needs in their life, practical needs in their life. And the LDS church as we've said before, it has a ton of money. They have a ton of resources. You know, there really is uh, a, a, a wealth. It's it's a welfare church. It's a church that does does a good job with welfare and supporting financially supporting their own, or even people who aren't in the Mormon Church. And so maybe um, a ward or or a local Mormon is really helping someone out materially, and then therefore they're just like. I want to join this group, you know, and so it's not even theological or existential or even even emotional. It's just super practical. Yeah, the LDS Church really is generous toward people, but the other thing about that is they also have really learned how to leverage that uh, financial help to instill loyalty in the church or to help uh, to really encourage people to become affiliated with the church. So it's never like no strings attached, not quite anyway, for the material um, resources that they provide. Okay, so all of those reasons were, were mainly talking about conversion growth, but, but most, I mean, the truth is, and you, you read the stats earlier that, what was it, that 70% of people who join the Mormon church actually are members, become members because they were raised in Mormonism. So let's talk about how that happens, Ross. What, when, do, when does someone who uh, was raised in the Mormon church, when do they officially become a church member? Well, typically, a person becomes a church member by being baptized into the church. That's true for an adult convert. It's also true for a child who was raised within Mormonism. And typically, children are baptized into the LDS church and thus become members of record at age eight. And then as you people have tracked that over time, and, and currently the majority stay in the church, I think the retention rate is somewhere around about 65% or so. It used to be a little bit higher. So people who are raised in the church stay in the church, at least two-thirds of them around that. Now, they're going to go through different times of more or less activity or, or maybe uh, 
doubting or, or loyalty, and it'll fluctuate in their life, but, but two-thirds of the ones who join as children stay with the church. And so, um, you know, it's really enculturated into young people that this is the normal thing to do. Let's talk for a second about, because uh, this is super interesting to me, let's talk about conversion for Mormons. Because if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you grew up in an evangelical Christian church, when you think about conversion, you know, we think about placing your faith in Jesus, trusting Jesus for salvation, repenting and believing. That's what converge, biblical, a biblical sense of conversion is, is you turn from your old way of life you recognize you're a sinner, and you trust Jesus for salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth that, believe, that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. So when we talk about someone converting to Christianity, that's what we're talking about. We, we lead them to trust in Jesus for salvation. What, is, what does conversion look like, Ross, for a Mormon person, for a kid growing up or even for an adult converting to Mormonism? Yeah, so as you said, it's really not this moment of spiritual regeneration. What instead is conversion is the process or even the moment of becoming convinced that the Mormon church is God's uh, one true church on the earth and, and everything related to that, that Joseph Smith was God's prophet of the restoration, that the current president and prophet of the church you know, it does speak for God. So it's this moment of, of becoming convinced that these things are true. And so it, it's really, you know, it, it's similar in, in our evangelical world because a, per, a child born into the church has to come to grips with their own relationship with God for themselves at some point. You know, they can't just uh, be enculturated entirely into this idea of Christianity. They have to own it. And the Mormons realize, too, that a young person growing up in the LDS Church also has to own it, and so they, that's conversion. But owning it means a different thing. It means instead of um, coming to faith in Christ, it means really coming to this assurance, this confidence that I know with beyond a shadow of a doubt I have this supernatural divine witness to my spirit that the whole thing is real and true. And specifically, it's focused on it's focused on Joseph Smith, well, three things, I guess, that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God, that the Book of Mormon is true, and that the LDS Church is the only true church, right? It's, it's kind of that, it's like that trifecta, that trini- their trinity is Joseph, Book of Mormon, and LDS Church, which is so different from biblical Christianity. Conversion to Christianity is focused on Jesus himself, the person and work of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But in Mormonism, it's about Joseph, the Book of Mormon, and the LDS Church. Am I overstating that, Ross? No, it's, I mean, it, it, for Mormons, it also is about Jesus. That's, but Jesus is kind of a given or kind of a background fact. And so when they mm-hmm. bear their testimony, they're going to bear... So bearing their testimony, this when, when, when LDS people repeat the conviction and the confidence that they have, they repeat it in a public setting, that happens frequently, and it's set up to happen because the repeating of it um, reinforces it in the person's mind and heart. And so when they bear their testimony, they might say, I believe that I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior and so forth, but most of it would be re- revolving around Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, the current institution of the church. It's very different because in, in our world, 
when a person shares their testimony, they tell the story of how they came to saving faith in Jesus. They never say, oh, and I believe that this church that I go to is the only church that, you know, or I believe that the founder of my denomination is somehow, you know, the Mm -hmm. prophet of God. So it's really a different experience, and it's a little bit hard to relate to at first if you're an outsider. Yes, so if you're going, if you grow grow up going to the Mormon church, that's one of the things that what I've heard Ross tell me this is true that you're driving to church or maybe getting ready to you know on a Saturday you're thinking about church the next day and mom or dad might say you should bear your testimony tomorrow and so there's a time in one of the cert we've talked about this in past episodes. There's a time in the, is it the Fast and Testament? Is that what they call it? One of the services where you yeah, can... It's the, it's the first Sunday of the month. First Sunday of the month. They Instead of having a speaker, individuals get up and bear their testimony as you're describing. And so think about that. Christians listening to this, just think about how... how se- I mean, if once a month, every, you know, every month there's an opportunity for you in front of your of your faith community for you to say what you've heard mom and dad say what you've heard your brothers and sisters say what you've heard your friends say what you've heard your friends parents say i mean think about how i don't know what the word is ross but how indoctrinating that would be that it's like this positive peer pressure that you're all saying the same thing there's power in that. There really is. The problem is that you're that the focus is on Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, the LDS Church. So you can see how hard then, Ross, I think it would be when we're going to talk here in just a little bit about leaving Mormonism. It's it's hard probably to do that when you there's just it's kind of been ingrained in you since you were a small child that this is what you do, what you believe, and this is what your whole community believes. Right. It, it really is challenging because this is your whole identity. And even if you're a convert to the church, you're urged to gain a testimony and be able to bear that testimony as well. So you're urged, in, in joining the church, you're, you're urged to pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to give you this internal subjective witness of the truthfulness of these claims. And so even a convert to the church, if they've received that testimony or received some kind of experiential affirmation, of these tr- of these truth claims, then that becomes part of you, and and it's reinforced continually, like you said, in various meetings and so forth. And so it's hard to say, oh no, oh I get, I see the argument that you're making for the Bible, and so therefore, you know, it's hard to walk away from that sense of oh, but God told me. That's a watershed event, and so I have a lot of empathy for uh, for people who. Uh, you know, are thinking about leaving the church and who do leave the church because of these powerful forces at work that confirm that LDS identity and that LDS commitment. Okay, so before we talk about why people leave, we're gonna we want to end our podcast today uh, unpacking that a little bit. Let's talk first a little bit about the role of missionaries because last year there were ninety thousand Mormon missionaries worldwide from many countries. Now, people listening you know what we're talking about here, because a Mormon missionary looks different than a Christian missionary, right? Christian missionaries are typically lifelong, you know, they sign up to be to be a missionary, they go to another country, or, or maybe they're a missionary here in the U.S. Um, they do work, you know, much like a pastor or a local minister would do work, but a Mormon missionary is different, right? Ross, explain, and they usually come in pairs, explain that whole thing. 
Well, one of the differences is that the LDS missionary force is largely young people. So 18 to 21 years old, and they're thrown out and without with six, maybe six weeks of training, um, and they're thrown out because the system, they've got this huge, highly developed system that supports these missionaries in, the, in what they do. And so, you know, they go out to the mission field, and uh, they get up early every day and pray and exercise and prepare for the day and then do personal study, study with their companion. Then they spend several hours of the day uh, just trying to meet people, maybe referrals from members or just knocking on doors or going out on the street and passing out tracks or going out to the park and so forth. And so they're going to try to encourage people to get into a, a series of formal lessons um, and the lessons will explain Mormonism the way they want, you know, to present themselves to a potential convert and will push that, that investigator, they call them, push them into baptism as a, as a LDS member. And so they're out there working really hard, but they're going to be out for maybe, maybe two years. The younger ones are paired with the older ones, and they learn just enough um, to be able to present this message. Uh, many of them are converts to the church in their teenage years themselves. They don't know a lot about Mormonism and Mormon theology, but they do have their testimony, and they follow the lessons. And doing that, they, they are able to attract and convert you know, a certain number of people to the Mormon faith. How many lessons are in their formal track when they try to... And they'll, they won't jump into the lesson right away. They'll try to probably build a little bit of a relationship with the potential convert and then eventually get into the lessons, probably fairly quickly, but that's the goal, right? Yeah, fairly quickly. Not the first time, but there, there are five lessons. Um, okay. It's a curriculum called Preach My Gospel, five lessons. And by the third lesson, um, they're, or the second lesson even, they're urging people to set a date for their baptism. Mm. Wow. Okay, now we, when we first, when Trace and I first moved to Utah, we had missionaries come to our door, and uh, in, in our neighborhood, it was sister missionaries, um, not, not the elders, but the sisters, and so these two gals came. I still remember one, her name was Sister Bryson, and we didn't get to know their first names, and, um, and we met with them. Uh, let's just give a couple of tips, Ross. Maybe we need to do a whole episode on this, but a couple of tips for talking with Mormon missionaries. Because I know a lot of Christians will just slam the door on their face, with, which I think is the wrong message to send <laughs> to Mormon missionaries. I think it's important for people to understand that these are, like you said, these might be, these are young men or young women who are still pretty new in their faith. Really, they're young, so they're, by, by definition, pretty new in their faith. And in a lot of times, what we noticed, Ross, is that one of them was weaker in her faith, and the other one was stronger in her faith. And we noticed that when we would engage them and ask them questions and open the Bible with them and just kind of lovingly and gently challenge them on some points... Um, Oftentimes we would we could tell that we were making progress with the uh, I'm just going to call her the weaker missionary. It wasn't Sister Bryson. She was the she was the seasoned one. And two probably two or three times during the course of six months, the next week a different sister missionary was Sister Bryson's partner. And what we understood was that the kind of the way the way that works is if if you can tell that your partner is getting worked 
or is is maybe starting to have doubts because of one of your conversations that you need to mention that to your authorities and then they might they might like reassign that that sister and that happened to us two or three times that can happen there's also a certain natural uh, course that they do change partners frequently as they move through the from move forward in seniority they'll they'll move them around a lot and 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 change partners a lot but the thing, so practical thing, by the way, um, I have a book coming out about inter- engaging uh, Mormon missionaries. It com- it's probably going to be due in the fall of 2023, and it will give a lot more on this uh, for people who are interested, but it'll engage directly with those five missionary lessons. But I think the mm-hmm. main thing to keep in mind is to be kind. Uh, you know, you can have open conversations with missionaries, ask them truthful uh, questions and really ha- make truthful claims, but if you do that in a in a loving way, a generous way, remember these are young kids. They work long hours. They have a very stressful experience. They're far from home. They get a lot mm-hmm. of rejection in the course of being a missionary. And most missionaries have stories about how uh, traditional Christians treated them like garbage at some point or another. Mm-hmm. And that that um, one, I want to undo that stereotype, and I want to treat them with kindness. Uh, remembering, you know, they are kind of fragile a little bit. And I, so I want to, you know, have them for dinner or make them cookies or be nice to them. And, and, and when I do engage them in conversation, we want to do it in a way that is kind and um, gentle. And yet we can tell the truth without, you know, getting mad or, or losing, you know, our, um, our calmness with them. Um, so mo- mostly it's just uh, treat them the way you'd want to be treated. And, mm. uh, you know, they'll come back. They want to have relationships like that. They want to th- tell their story, and that's great because I want to tell my story too. And so I want to retain the relationship by being uh, kind to them. Yeah, and I think it's good to remember that they're going to they're going to end their mission in a, a year or two, and they're going to head back to their home, to their ward. The more that you can that you can create just a little bit of a dissonance in their understanding. Um, the better. You're probably not going to change their mind while they're on their mission. I think that would be, I mean, you could. I mean, the Holy Spirit can can convict someone. But really what we've noticed, Ross, is many return missionaries eventually, some of those seeds that were planted end up getting watered later on in their life as they can explore and learn and investigate. And we've seen many uh, return missionaries come out of Mormonism, leave Mormonism, and come to faith in Jesus. And so let's talk a little bit about that, Ross. Why do people leave? Not just return missionaries, but wh- why would a Mormon, why would someone who was raised in Mormonism or who converted to Mormonism, why would they leave? Yeah, there's a lot of answers to that question. I mean, there's a lot of positive elements of LDS life, family life, and community, and and purpose, and so forth. And yet, in spite of that, uh, people are leaving Mormonism in our generation in really unprecedented numbers. Some t- some people have estimated that up to 50% of converts in the U.S. Uh, drop out after a year. And the numbers are even probably even higher in uh, the two-thirds world. And so, um, again, you know, there's a lot of factors involved in that. Gosh, so many factors that contribute to this idea of deconversion. Uh, some of them just don't want to live the LDS lifestyle. It's demanding. It's busy. There's pressure. There's time pressure, money pressure with the tithe. And, um, and re, you know, related to that, people just say, I, I don't want to live this way. They're tired of the stress of living up to 
high expectations, the pressure, the pressure uh, to be worthy all the time or to appear worthy. And so part of it is, is just lifestyle uh, pressure, although there's many other factors as well. That's one of them. Yeah, of those who leave, only a third of them find a home in a new religion. I think that's interesting is a lot of them just sort of deconstruct their faith altogether. Um, half of those in some form of Protestant uh, faith. So um, really a lot of them just don't do, don't do anything, which isn't our goal. You know, our goal in this podcast, our goal isn't to uh, tear down people's faith. Our goal is not to tear down Mormonism. Our goal is to lift up Jesus and a biblical Christianity. And so the last thing we want is for someone to be uh, just disenchanted with Mormonism, if that's what you grew up in, and then just leave it all together. Like, we want to introduce you to Jesus. We want you to have a relationship with the, with the creator of the universe. Anyway, that's, you know, so it's sad to me. I don't celebrate, Russ, I don't think we celebrate when we see someone leaves Mormonism and then just turns their back on, on God. I, that's not a win. Um, I, the, no. the win for the kingdom of, of heaven is when someone opens their eyes to who Jesus really is, and that's really our goal. So, so Russ, let's talk a little bit more about some of the this deconversions. Some people, and maybe even this podcast is a part of that for some people, is they learn some things about the church history. Yeah. Um, you know, as we as we learned from uh, Bo and KD and their testimony, uh, it, it was Bo reading. If you missed that, that was a few episodes ago. But but Bo was a was a seminary teacher, a return missionary, and he started reading um, gospel. What was it called? The gospel. Yeah, the gospel topics essays. Gospel topics essays that the Mormon Church put out to try to answer some of these questions from from church history. Some of these. Uh, they were trying to be an apologetic for some of the things people learned about polygamy or Joseph Smith or Brigham Young. And in reading that, I think he just realized um, that there's something not right here. And so some people can deconvert because of things like that. Right. Uh, when they learn, they learn the true unvarnished history that casts a lot of LDS leaders in the past in a bad light or it contradicts the things that they learned in the sanitized version of the history growing up. And related to that, a lot of times converts will uncover some information that they were unaware of when they were baptized. For example, temple practices, which can be uh, pretty strange. We talked about that one time. Or the idea of becoming gods. That's not in the five Mormon missionary lessons, uh, this idea of exaltation. Mm. Uh, or if, if it is, it's talked about in a very veiled sense without the full sense of what that means. And so you go, oh, Wait a minute. When I joined the church, that wasn't part of the part of the agreement. You know, this is the stuff that I was just unaware of. And often, it's interesting that people who grow up in the church are also often unaware of some of the uh, more esoteric elements of both the history as well as the doctrines, because they're living um, a cultural type of Mormonism. They believe in it, but some of these things are never brought up. And sometimes, as an adult who grew up in the church, they go, "Oh, wait, what?" The church teaches what, and so they get uh, they get have questions. Their questions go unanswered. Uh, officials in the church just will tell them often, "Hey, you just need to put that on a shelf in the back of your mind, and someday there'll be an answer to that." It's just be faithful and hang in there. But discouragement sets in because people are told not to question their faith, 
And um, when they discover that the LDS church can't really stand up to the scrutiny of the truth, or that Mormon doctrines don't stack up to what they're reading in the Bible, um, then more and more the weight of that, uh, it becomes heavy and, and starts to leverage people toward um, leaving. It often is a long process of processing through some of this information uh, before they can break through those other cultural, relational, and um, identity ties. That, But eventually it leverages many of them toward leaving the church. Yeah, and, and beyond doctrinal issues uh, or even historical problems with Mormonism's brief history, I think more and more today, Ross, people are leaving due to the conservative stand that the LDS Church takes on social issues. So patriarchal issues versus feminism, traditional marriage versus LGBT inclusion. Now, this is really interesting to me, Ross, because in the in the Christian world, we're seeing the same kind of thing, right? That's, that there's some churches, a lot of mainline churches are just sort of opening the, the doors to the LGBT thing and, and saying, you know, explaining away what the Bible says about those, you know, sin issues. And, and then there are other churches that stand on Scripture, that stand on, on what the Bible says and take a conservative stand on that, as, as does our church. But I think this is interesting. Maybe we can talk for a second about this. My, my prediction, Ross, is that the Mormon church, the official Mormon church, the mainline Mormon church is going to do what the mainline Mormon church has always done, which is to eventually pivot on these issues. And I think they're going to be in a really tough position because they don't, they don't have a high view of Scripture. So why would they, why would they take a solid biblical stand on something if they're getting more and more blowback from their members or from culture and society. That's a great observation, and it raises a, a significant question as people try to figure out the future of Mormonism, because Mormonism has always adapted in order to survive and thrive. And with the principle of progressive revelation, as they call it, you don't really stand on Scripture. You stand on whatever the most recent thing that the prophet has said. Now, it is interesting to think about where this goes in the future because the leaders of Mormonism are all, generally speaking, very old men. They're in their 70s, 80s. It's a gerontocracy. And so they're going to be probably behind the curve in terms of social changes. And so will how long will it take? It's hard to tell. The other thing that's interesting, this is a side note, but it's interesting to me, is that this the area of, say, uh, marriage marriage inclusion or uh, gender inclusion, it, it, it cuts across, it's a little bit different from some of the other issues where the Mormon church has pivoted or might pivot on, because this is this cuts to the very heart of the Mormon worldview of exaltation. Because as we talked about a few weeks ago, the whole idea of exaltation is it's wrapped up in family units and it's wrapped up in eternal procreation. And so when you have like, uh, gay marriage on one hand, and you have this worldview that elevates procreation and family on the other hand. You know, some something's got to give, and so there's mm. that's even, they're probably more conservative about family issues than about anything else. So it's hard to read where and when that might that pivot might take place. But I think this is going to be interesting for Christians who have Mormon friends. Is 
I still say at some point there's going to be a pivot where the official stance of the LDS church is going to be with LGBT, the LGBT community. And I think what's going to happen is there's, there are going to be conservatively minded people within the Mormon church that aren't going to have a place then, if and when that mm-hmm. day comes. And I think that's when they're going to potentially look now to Christian churches, traditional conservative biblical Christian churches, but there's still going to be an issue there because they're going, they're, these people aren't really truly believers yet. So socially, they might join some of our churches, but I think we'll have a huge opportunity then to make sure to share the gospel with these people because uh, because Jesus is what it's all about. It's not about these social issues. Those Those are side issues, but trusting Jesus for salvation is what we need to bring to these to this influx of people that I believe that we'll have someday down the road. Yeah, that's a great point. It's not just about standing with them on the social issues. It's a much, mm-hmm. there's a much bigger issue than that. And there's a whole bunch, by the way, and a bunch of other reasons, maybe more minor reasons that people leave. Some people feel like the LDS Church, it just feels like a big business. We talked about the money a few weeks ago, and they're disaffected by that. Some people feel like the, the church is too monolithically white and American. Many people leave because they never fit in to the LDS culture. Uh, some people leave because they were treated poorly, uh, maybe, and so they didn't come back. And, and this is an interesting phenomenon to me, as I've talked to a lot of people who have left Mormonism, especially who've come to faith in Christ, people coming into Mormonism are encouraged to have this confirming spiritual experience. But I've also met a lot of people who've left Mormonism because of a spiritual experience. For example, I have a friend who had a dream that the dream was about Jesus, and the dream, the intent or sort of the feel of the dream to her was that if you really want to follow Jesus, you need to disengage from Mormonism. And it took a couple years for that to happen, but she eventually did. And so there's a there, there's spiritual experience that's causing some people to doubt Mormonism. It's leading them toward a, a relationship with the biblical Jesus. And so there's a lot of, lot of reasons why uh, people are leaving Mormonism these days. Yeah, and of course, there are many closet doubters, you know, Mormons who reject some of the claims and teachings of the LDS Church, but they stay in the church. They're just kind of quiet about their doubts because there are reasons for them to stay. Maybe their spouse or their kids are there, or they've got business connections there, or whatever. But they're not true believers. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's a you know many reasons that disaffected Mormons would stay in the church. And so again, they're not leaving just yet. But there, there may be just a kind of one foot out the door. Yeah, it, it's hard because most people, you look at your LDS friend from the exterior, you don't know all these things that are going on in their heart. Um, mm. Mormons are pretty guarded about their spirituality, and that, that's part of the culture. Um, they don't share deep personal spiritual experiences very broadly, but also they don't share their deep their doubts and questions very broadly either. Um, and so we may not have any idea what's going on within somebody's heart about what they're struggling with, what they're thinking, or the reasons why they stay because of their f- maybe family history and heritage and pressure from their family or, or their marriage, or it's a, you know, it's a great place to raise kids, or they have business connections and work connections, and, and, and because they don't have any idea where to go, and what would they do if they left Mormonism 
And so for all these reasons, we don't, we're not really maybe privy to those things. And so, you know, you, we want um, to continue to build friendships and continue to be available and trustworthy and, um, and, and wait for the moment when maybe the shelf breaks or the identity starts to crack, and, and they're open to talking about their doubts and questions where we can bring in biblical hope um, and point them toward a different kind of relationship with Jesus. And remember that leaving is difficult. I mean, more, more so for a Mormon than a Christian. You know, if you're a Christian, you're going to leave your church, go to another church. That's pretty easy to do in, in modern Christianity, but it is, that is not what goes on in Mormonism. If you were raised LDS... Or if even if you converted to Mormonism as an adult, as an adult, you're going against the tide. You're 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 rejecting authority. You're rejecting the truth claims of Mormonism. You're considered apostate, which is a hugely negative label. Um, LDS people are taught to fear apostasy. Bo just shared mm-hmm. the other day. We were talking about the unforgivable sin biblically. He said, "Oh, for Mormonism, I committed it." He said, when I left the Mormon church, I committed the, un, you know, the unforgivable sin. And so for a guy like Bo and KD, who, whose testimony we heard a few weeks ago, it really does take this incredible sense of conviction because the teachings that you've been given your whole life are just so scary. And so leaving is incredibly difficult. And I think if, you've, if you're a Christian listening to this and you have a, maybe a friend who's questioning Mormonism, be patient. Pray for that person, because leaving is tremendously hard. And the other thing is, you know, if you're a, an LDS person who's listening today and you're thinking about leaving, you're counting the cost, and you're, you know, you're weighing that, or you're on a journey in that direction, we want you to know, hey, we get it. Um, we understand how challenging it can be. But it's not just you. It's Jesus said everybody who comes to true faith in him is going to have, there's going to be a price to pay. There's going to be a cost. Mm-hmm. He said in Matthew 19 that, and, and he gave this great promise, and anybody who's left behind uh, property or parents or children or family or, or worldly goods is going to receive a hundredfold more as well as eternal life. And so really, Jesus says, look, look you, you're going to have to, regardless of what background you're coming from, whether it's an LDS background or an atheist background or uh, Jewish or Hindu or whatever it might be, um, there's going to be a cost because Jesus is ultimate. And every other world system and religion and even family wants to be ultimate, but Jesus is ultimate. So there's going to be some sacrifice involved. And so for, for you coming out of Mormonism, it might be your, your sense of identity. It might be your family life, your personal relationships and other things, but it's worth it. It's worth it because Jesus is worth it, and he deserves that commitment from us that, uh, that other people and other institutions are claiming instead of him. And if you're listening and you, you are in the process of leaving Mormonism, I encourage you to continue to t- tune into our podcast because in, in just a little bit, we're going to release some episodes where we talk specifically about leaving Mormonism. And we want to kind of get into the details of that, really help people who are transitioning out of the LDS faith into a Christian faith, into a Christian church. We're going to invite Bo back onto the podcast to help us with his experiences. He's, he really has a heart for helping people um, who, who have been in his shoes uh, to 
experience all that there is in in the freedom that we have in Christ. Because again, our goal is not to tear down Mormonism. Our goal is to build up the kingdom of heaven. Our goal is to point people to Jesus and the freedom and the forgiveness that you can have that can only be found in him. So if you want to learn more about Mormonism or biblical Christianity, you can find all of it at pursuegod.org forward slash Mormonism. And keep tuning in to the podcast because we want to continue to help you to understand how to leave Mormonism well.